we get to do this at Wynn Baptist Church on Sunday mornings and Sunday nights. What a blessing. I'm going to do something tonight we haven't done since I've been your pastor or even your interim pastor. I think it's so important that what we do on Sunday mornings and here may be a little different than what we do in a Bible study class. And in a Bible study class, we tend to focus on learning God's Word and teaching it clearly. And we certainly have teaching that happens in here, but more than a sermon, I want so very much every Sunday for God to give us a message and a word that He wants spoken for His people. And tonight, I want to read a passage of Scripture, and then I'm going to be quiet. And uh, if you haven't realized it, we've got a couple microphones out here, one here and one here, and one in the balcony right there, and another one in the balcony, it appears. So we've got four out here. In just a moment, I'll tell you what we're going to do with that. Are you getting anxious yet? You should. In Ephesians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul, in verse 11 writes these words, and in it he describes the job of a pastor or a pastor teacher. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. And this word pastor here is one of the only places in the New Testament where the word pastor is used as a noun. Most of the time it's used as a verb. And it's hyphenated here, pastor teacher. In the original language. And what's the purpose of these leaders that God gives to the church? Verse 12, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And so if you look at that word equipping, the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, it is a medical term in many places where this word is used. Describes a bone that's out of joint has to be put back in proper alignment. And so that's one concept in which the word equip is used, to set something that's out of joint back in line the way it ought to be. And so that equipping function becomes more clear as we keep reading. But ultimately, you got to see that it's equipping the saints for the work of ministry. It's not so that the pastors can do all the ministry. It's not so the congregation is a spectator. And the congregation is watching other people do the ministry. Each of you that knows Christ is called to do ministry. And the pastor's role, myself and the other pastors who are part of the team here, our job is to help equip the saints for the work of ministry. And then it goes on and says, for the edifying of the body of Christ, that edifying is building up the body of Christ, Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure, the stature, and fullness of Christ. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but, here we go, speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. One of the most revolutionary things for me in my growth 
as a believer, not just a pastor, but as a believer, it was when I came to understand that the nature of the church is that Christ is the head of the church. Notice it doesn't say, grow up in all things into him who is like a head, Christ. It says, he is the head. So it's not even a metaphor. He is the one. He's the head. He's the one in charge. We are the body. I have a job to do. You have a job to do. But he's the one in charge. He's the head of the church. So the question's always about what pleases him. It's not about what pleases me. So to grow up in all things into him, who is the head? Christ. So if the picture of equipping is taking a bone or something that's out of alignment and putting it in proper alignment, if a pastor's job description was accurate, it would be to help a member of the body of Christ come into a proper relationship with the head so that the head, from the head, they can draw life and direction and everything they need to follow Christ from the head, not from me. And so I feel that my assignment, I recognize that my assignment on Sunday morning when I teach or when I counsel is to help that individual believer come into a relationship with Christ who is the head so that he is the head of the body just like my head gives directions to my body that he as the head can give full direction to every member of his body. That's the dream. That you hear him for yourself. That you draw life from him for yourself. That you receive everything you need from Christ. Verse 16, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. What a picture. So everybody has a, a place to play. You didn't realize it, but those aren't the stands out there. That's the playing field. And so tonight, I'm going to step out onto the water, and I'm going to trust the Holy Spirit to speak to us tonight through you. You've heard from the other pastors in the church, but now we want to hear from the body. Let me read one verse of Scripture, and then here's what I'm going to ask you to do. One of the ways the Lord leads us or guides us is He brings to mind things that we need to share with others. I don't know if that's happened to you very often, but when you're in a ministry role, as you are in, and someone needs help, if you pray my favorite prayer, help me Jesus, He has the capacity to give you everything you need to minister to someone else. You don't carry it around with you. He is the one who does ministry. You are the vehicle. And so tonight, I wonder how he's going to do this. But I'm going to kind of moderate a little bit. And we're going to, we have these microphones here. And we have had this whole summer where God has been at work among us as a church. Some people have been on mission trips. Some have been involved in challenges on a personal level. Others of you have been learning and growing because God's speaking to you on a personal level. And, and is he leading you perhaps to share that with us tonight? It doesn't have to be lengthy. In fact, I 
I would encourage you not to make it lengthy so that other people can share. It might be a scripture that God has really used this summer to speak to your heart. It may be something he's taught you through a Sunday school teacher or just something that you have heard or learned and it's come to grip your mind and grip your heart and and he's moving you to share that. It may simply be a word to the church. You just want to offer an encouraging word that God has put on your heart. But when he brings that to mind, will you say, yes, Lord, I'll share? I know it's kind of scary to share in front of a group. If you stand down here, you get to face the front. You don't have to look at everybody. We'll listen. Up in the balcony, they can't see you up there. Don't look at them. And I want to encourage you to share. Just listen. Psalm 107, verse 2, first phrase. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. In the NIV, it says, let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. We're just being obedient tonight. What's your story? What would the Lord have you share tonight? A scripture, a word, something he's doing in your life. Father, thank you, Lord, for the privilege we have to be obedient to you and listen as you guide us. And Father, as each person shares, we want to be attentive, not only to their voice, but to your voice and what you're saying to us. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, open mic. This is the scary part. I hope none of you all are crazy. Because we we're not talking about crazy tonight, okay? All right, I know Jim's not crazy. something has been burning on my heart and I want to turn around and look at the congregation you do right there most of you know that my wife and I lost our youngest daughter back in December and as many of you face difficulties you know it's a struggle to get through it and uh, we're just talking to God about it and trying to find some closure and we've read and prayed and each week we've been reading scripture in the Bible. We're going through it on a yearly uh, reading basis. And uh, this past week, it's quite coincidental that you asked that, Brother Don, but this, it, it's strange to me how you can read something over and over and all of a sudden, boom, it jumps out and just speaks to you. And that's what it did to the wife and I. I'm going to put my glasses on. I can't remember the scripture, but if you have your Bibles, Now, this is from the New Living Translation in Isaiah chapter 57, verse 1 and 2. It says this, The righteous pass away, the godly often die before their time, and no one seems to care or wonder why. No one seems to understand that God is protecting them from evil to come, For the godly who die will rest in peace. Now, what made that so real to the wife and me, just recently we got final results of the test that they run when uh, they run tests on the deceased body. 
Of course, Christy died with an acute heart problem, but also she had five great masses on her lung which were determined to be cancerous. And uh, we just said, Lord, we thank you that she didn't have to go through that suffering of cancer and that we didn't have to go through the turmoil of watching her suffer through that cancer. So we just praise God for that and for what he has done in our lives through his word. God's word is alive and real as it speaks to our heart. And I thank him so much for that. Thank you, Brother Donald. Lord bringing to your mind. Yeah, I would like to say thank you, Jesus. He, you know, died on the cross, saved me. He knew I couldn't do it. And bless him that, uh, you know, that he had, could bless me, look down on this poor boy and say, look, I love you, come home. So I'm on my way. Amen. Numbers 11.1 says that, And the people complained in the hearing of the Lord about their misfortunes. And when the Lord heard it, his anger was kindled, and the fire of the Lord burned among them, and consumed some outlying parts of the camp. A couple weeks ago, when uh, all of my family was here, my daughter-in-law spoke to my Sunday school class. Her subject was change. We're heading into a big change. And there have been some complaining. Um, sure, I'm guilty too. But the key is God is not happy when we complain. And I think it's because we're the smallest group that has met today, it is our job when we hear someone complain about, I don't like that new schedule. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. What are you going to do? It's our job to put in an encouraging word. Uh, why, why complain all the time and whine? It, it just makes God unhappy. So. Let's be the ones to, to uh, encourage those around us. And um, it's going to be a lot easier when we don't complain. Amen. 
I'm going to try to say this without crying. We came from North Carolina to here last summer. And as soon as we came here, it was such a big church. We felt at home, and we felt like we were loved. And I was scared to death when I come in this door out here, but I came inside, and I wasn't. And I wanted to tell y'all that y'all have an awesome spirit for the Lord as a church. And I know that we're not perfect, but you serve the Lord. You send people on mission trips. You do everything for kids that you can possibly imagine. And coming here after coming from a dying church that all we heard was we've never done it before. We're not going to do it. They know where we are, so we don't have to do anything. They can come here. And you're starving to serve the Lord, and you're sitting in church, and you're literally starving to death because you can't do what you want to for the Lord because your church doesn't support you. And then you come here, and there's people that are serving the Lord every Wednesday night. They're giving everything to these kids. They're doing, you know, young adult Bible studies, and the older people are involved in the younger people, and it's working, and everybody's growing in the Lord, and people are getting saved. You don't know how awesome that is for a person that hasn't had it for a long time. So I'm grateful. I'm so grateful the Lord brought us here, and I'm so thankful for y'all as a church and for what you do. And I just want to encourage y'all and say thank you because there's people that will forever remember my child, will always remember how much she's loved here. And it's just such a blessing that y'all seek the Lord and you keep doing that and keep your faith in the Lord and your heads in the Bible and reading and teaching your children. And there's nothing that will come bad of this church if you keep that. But if you do like our old church and you take your eyes off the Lord and you take your head out of scripture, you will fall and you will fail and it will fall apart. So I'm just grateful that there's staff here, there's preachers here, even David, when he stands up and reads scripture in the morning, that it was unheard of in a worship. We've never heard that. So I'm grateful for it, and I'm thankful for it, and I just want y'all to know that y'all will be blessed for what you do here. I was studying in the Bible the other day, and it came to me that if you suffer with God, you will inherit it more than what people that do not suffer with God. God speaking to anyone in the balcony.
Christopher Smiley was saved in our wild and wonderful Bible school. I mean, God had him already prepared in his heart, and it was awesome. So I thank all the brothers and sisters that worked in Bible school because, you know, things were done for the kingdom. Seeds were planted and kids were saved. And we were encouraged and tired and everything, but it was good. Number two, we need to pray for Chanson and Beverly and the work that God has for them to do because Satan doesn't like it. And there are all kinds of things going on that are, um, you know, where Satan is trying to destroy and rising man especially. So just keep lifting them up, and we will see um, how God's working in the kingdom through them. Uh, Mike Schiff is our pastor of missions and discipleship. Uh, can we just pause a moment? Mike, would you mind just wording a prayer for Chanson and Beverly on our behalf. Let's pray. <clears throat> Dear Father, we just pray for our brother and our sister and their family. We pray that your spirit would overwhelm them right now. Pray that you would strengthen them, provide them with the endurance they need. Pray that, Father, you would deepen their faith in you and that, God, they, as they already have proven, would be faithful and obedient servants, Father. Lord, there's very few in all of this area who have a passion for the lost like Chanson and Beverly. But, God, we also know the enemy is at work. Tonight, we pray against the enemy. Mm. We pray against his desire, his schemes, his plans, his tricks, his deceitfulness, his lies. Mm. We claim victory over him tonight. We pray that whatever Chanson and Beverly are experiencing this evening, that Father, you would just pour out your blessings upon them. Make your presence known in their home. Whatever details need to be worked out, I pray you would work those out. Whatever struggles they're facing, Father, I pray that you would provide. And Father, I pray as, as his brothers and his sisters that we would come alongside them. And that we would get underneath their burden along with them you have called us to do that we would share that burden in prayer or financially or physically or however we can help God that you would reveal it to us personally and corporately Father we, we pray for the victories that are already being experienced down in, in Forest City right now we pray for the lives and the families and the generations of families who will forever be changed because of Chanson and Beverly and their faithfulness to you, Father. 
We pray for leaders in their church, Father, faithful men and women who will invest in those new and young believers, Father. We pray for financial and spiritual provisions for that church, Father, that you would grow your church. God, they would see the work of your hand all around them. Tonight, Father, may we stand in the gap for them. Not because that's what we're supposed to do, but because, God, you have impressed their their heart and their desire to see Forest City change and look like Jesus. And because you have impressed that upon our hearts, Father, may we not take this lightly. Father, we lift them up to you. We ask that you would guide their steps. We ask that you would guide their thinking. We ask that, God, you would coach them. That you would comfort them and strengthen them in the name of our Lord and Savior, our Redeemer, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Mike. Someone else, scripture that God has been using in your life, Something God is doing that you think he's leading you to share. There may be someone here that needs to hear that scripture. Or what's on your heart. Who would be next? the Lord wants me to share this with y'all but in one of the clips from the video there was a girl sitting by Emily on the front porch and I'm going to try to tell y'all this without crying Um, her name was Anna and she is a precious girl she um she is friends with Emily and Emily told us how that friendship came about and it was just a God thing Emily prayed one night, Lord, I need a friend. Will y'all pl- will you please give me a friend? And the very next day, she met Anna at the market. So we got to spend some time with them, and we got to know Anna a little bit better. She has a beautiful voice. Um, but I, Marcy told me her testimony. And like I said, I don't know why I need to share this with y'all, but it, it blessed me, so maybe it'll bless you as well. Um, she was orphaned at a really young age and both of her parents died so she was sent to live with a with a grandmother in um well I'm not sure what town but anyway it was in Zambia um her grandmother beat her severely she had scars all down her neck where um her grandmother had beat her and her grandmother had visitors at night and so she had to sleep outside well because of that she got taken advantage of at a very young age and so she left her grandmother's house at approximately seven or eight years old and set out on the road by herself with no one was there with her she really didn't have a clue where she was going she just remembered her parents talking about a friend in Siavonga and so she hitchhiked probably three or four hours to Siavonga in hopes that this friend still lived there and so she um she, she made it there, and the woman still lived there and took her in. And um, she met Emily, and um, she just 
she has a heart for the Lord, and you can tell, I asked them, I was like, is she a believer, and they said that she was, and one day when we were there, she, um, she bought Emily something for someone, and Emily was trying to pay her back for it, and she was like, no, I won't take your money, and Emily kept trying to give it to her, and give it to her, and give it to her, and she would not take it, and she told Emily, she was like, I'm your friend, and I love you, money doesn't matter to me, and I just, that broke my heart, because she has nothing, you know, she came from nothing, and she spent her own money on something, and wouldn't take money back for it, and that just goes to show that, you know, that we see the Lord work, but over there, it's just, it's completely different, because we, they experience in such different ways than we do here, we're so busy here, and you know, we pay people back, and we, we almost expect to be paid back, but over there, it's just, you know, you're my friend, and this is how I'm going to show that I love you. And so that just really blessed me. Very good. Thank you. Thank you. Someone else? I was, <clears throat> I was fighting this the whole time. Um. What I want to share with y'all is out of Ephesians chapter 6, um, verse 18, starting in verse 18. <clears throat> with, every prayer and supp- with every prayer and request, pray at all times in the Spirit. Stay alert with this, with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. Pray also for me, that the message may be given to me, and I open my mouth to make it known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. Um, my family and I went on a mission trip to Haiti. And I was, if you've never been on a mission trip, thought about a mission trip, I'm going to let you know something. It is scary. It was a scary thought to go. But, and even though I was terrified, I, I was asking God to give me something to solidify why I'm there. Why, why am I going? And I waited and I waited and I waited to hear from him. Uh, I was very getting very scared. Because the closer we got, I mean, I saw God moving in my family, in the team members. And I was wondering, why do you have me here? Because you know I'm doubting. I had that conversation with him. You know I'm doubting this. But he kept telling me, you're supposed to be there. Well, and I kept asking him, Lord, give me a verse. Give me something out of your word. And the first, mor- <laughs> the first morning that we woke up there in Haiti, this is, that's, this is what God gave me the first day. God placed some people in our lives, our translators. One in particular, his name was Lucasen. Um, we hit it off real well. He was a, he was a Christian. He was a preacher. Uh, his family was voodoo. His sister was a devout voodoo. She, he said, I remember more nights of her actually praying to Satan. And 
when he became, when he started, when he thought about getting baptized, he got kicked out of his house. And uh, his parents disowned him for his belief in Christ. He, had, he went and moved, to his, moved in with his uncle. And his uncle didn't like the whole Christianity thing. But whenever Lucasen got baptized, he kicked him out. And about four years ago, they had a huge earthquake there in Haiti. And with all the devastation that was going on there, his, Lucasen's faith stood strong. His sister came up to him one day and said, How in the world do you have such joy in your life? How? Don't you see what's going on here? We've lost everything. Lost our home. We don't even know where some of our relatives are. He said, my hope is in God. That's where my hope is. My hope is not in knowing where you are. My hope is in God. My hope is not in my home. He said, I have, he goes, I have a king, I have a father that's going to take care of me. He's going to take care of us. And through his faithfulness, she gets saved. She turns to Christ. Turns, over, turns 180 degrees on voodoo. After that, his mom and dad get to looking at their lives. They get saved. Because when, when I asked him about his family and asked him about his faith, he you know, was telling me about his sister. I said, well, what kind of relationship y'all have now? You're, you're a preacher. You, you evangelize and stuff like that. I said, what's y'all's relationship like? And he's like, she's been saved. And he, that's when he tells me about you know, the earthquake and how he goes. He, so, he said, so the best thing that ever happened to Haiti was the earthquake. He said, because many people came to Christ because of that. And uh, he said, it take, I said, man, it takes a lot of strength to stand before this nation who is a voodoo nation and proclaim Christ. And that verse that God gave me, be bold, speak with boldness, that has ringed through to me ever since I've been in there. And that place changed my life, my family's life forever. I want to thank Wim Baptist for the heart that they have for missions. Without that, we wouldn't, we would not really care about the world. And without that, my family wouldn't care. So thank you, those who pray, those who give, those who are involved, the notes that we read. Y'all have no idea how useful, how much you touch the lives of people who are scared to death across that water. After we got back from Haiti, I uh, did a VBS here at uh, Wim Baptist. And uh, if you haven't ever come to a VBS, VBS has to be my favorite week at Wim Baptist just because it's energetic and there's a whole bunch of little kids running around and I'm part of that. And uh, 
in the middle of the week, around uh, around the middle of the week, uh, we started, you know, looking uh, at getting our stuff ready to uh, let Antioch Baptist use it. And I made a joke to Miss Lisa about, hey, me and Ryan Garner can, you know, go and do their VBS for them. And little did I know, she when she said okay, I thought she was just, you know, joking around with me. Um, she wasn't, and uh, she actually called them to see if it'd be okay, and the next day I found out we were in. And so that was a little scary to me. And well, we got there, and we had no clue what was about to happen. Uh, we didn't know how it was going to go because it was just a major culture shock going from here to there. And um, I got to give uh, ups to Ryan Garner. He he stood strong where, as I, I, I kind of doubted at first about how it was going to go, but he was, he was all for it. He was ready to rock and roll. Uh, but Thursday, Thursday night, they had their VBS at night. Thursday night, uh, I shared the... Uh, Wednesday, I shared the Evangel Cube. Thursday, I shared my testimony with them. And uh, Ryan was not there that night. Uh, and I had to leave that night to pack for Student Life, so I wasn't going to be there Friday. Uh, but Thursday, I shared my testimony. And at the end, I, I just, you know, I stood up and I said, any questions? Uh, and, you know, that's scary asking a whole bunch of little kids, que uh, asking them for questions. And I had no clue what was about to come out of their mouths. Well, nothing came out at first. And finally, one of the kids raised their arm, and I said, yes, well, well, what's your question? They go, I love you, TJ. And I was didn't know what to say. Uh, I, all I could say is thank you. Uh, and then all of a sudden, another kid raised their hand. Yes, uh, I love you, TJ. I love you, TJ. I love you, TJ. And it was like all around the room. And then... This other little kid raised his hand and said, I'm getting baptized, uh, and I want you to be there. I want you and Ryan to be there. And I was just like, awesome, when? I'm putting it in my phone right now. And we got, it was last Sunday, we got there, and uh, he saw us. We got there a little early so we could be there before him. And uh, he saw us, and his arms reached out, and he was like, you are here. And he was jumping up for joy, and this, this look on his face and uh, utter happiness was just over, overwhelmed my heart for him. And uh, as he was getting baptized, his face was in our direction, looking at us as he was going down. And when he came up, his eyes were still locked on me and Ryan's. And that was, that was cool. Amen. Amen. Uh, TJ? I love you. <laughs> well, thank you all for playing hard and participating. This may be a little odd to you, and we may never do it again, or we may do it often. But we do need to be sensitive to those moments when the Lord would have a share, not just in a setting like this, but it may be with a friend. God may bring someone to mind. You just need to pick up the phone and give them a call and encourage them in some way or share scripture. But we want to be sensitive to him. Why is that? Because he is the head, and the goal is that the head could tell the hand or the feet or the other parts of the body what to do. 
And in that way, the body can grow and live. And so we each want to be sensitive and wired in to the head. Thank you for your attendance tonight. I hope that you were encouraged, challenged, and blessed. You are dismissed.